to this podcast of the BJSM. My name is Babette Pluim and I'm here with Erin Heibor in Rotterdam at the Erasmus, Erasmus Medical Center. Erin made some time in his busy schedule to, um, to be on this podcast. Thank you very much. Welcome. Thank you, Babette. Um, you, you have worked with, um, with athletes all your life and you've actually been, been um, with the Dutch national soccer team to the um, to the world championships in Brazil how was that experience that, that was a tremendous experience not only for uh, the event which is a very large event but also because um, uh, nobody in Holland expected that we uh, we would reach the third place and it was not not only the, the sportive uh, aspect but also working in the group and with the staff with Louis van Gaal, that was a, that was very special. Yeah, it's amazing because you have such a good working relationship with so many sports physicians and with so many athletes, which is not always easy to do. What is your secret? There is no secret. Um, you should leave everybody uh, in his own uh, subject where he is an expert in. And uh, uh, I think working together will make the result better. And uh, I like sports physicians who, who come with the athletes uh, to visit me and who, who wake uh, over their patients. Mm -hmm. So you're a team player. Yeah. In, in soccer, obviously, you see a lot of injuries like ACL injuries, but you also see stress fractures in, in soccer. And could you tell the audience, what would you do with a fifth metatarsal stress fracture in a talented young soccer player? I think that's the stress fracture, which for the soccer player is, is the, uh, the main problem, stress fracture, because uh, sometimes, and, but that's rare, you see a, a soccer player with a stress fracture of the anterior cortex of the tibia, but uh, the fifth metatarsal is, is the weak point uh, if you're talking about stress fractures in soccer players. And th there are a few problems. Uh, the first problem is that the, the healing process is very slowly, and once it is healed, um, uh, the recurrence rate is very high. So uh, I think um, if you are sporting at a high level, uh, for that reason, we are early with the operation indication, and we put in a screw in the medullary canal, which is uh, an internal splint, splint for the bone, and then you see that the healing process is uh, going faster and the recurrence rate is uh, very much lower than if you do this conservatively. Mm -hmm. And talking about stress factors, another group you've been very much involved with is long distance running. There you see lots of stress factors like metatarsal stress factors, navicular stress factors. How do you, how do you deal with a navicular stress factor? Well, the navicular stress fracture is uh, is a, a a difficult stress fracture because I think when it happens, you see it often bilaterally, uh, and I think there is more than only a normal stress fracture uh, in a bone. Uh, I think the 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 blood circulation in people who are developing these stress fractures in the navicular is different from from most other people and it, it looks like osteonecrosis and then uh, the stress fracture appears and if you leave it alone and don't treat it then it's uh, progressing to a complete fracture and the bone will split in two parts 
with the risk of osteoarthritis of the talonavicular joint, just like it happens in uh, in greyhounds, which oh, is yes. the the running animal model of the navicular stress fracture. But um, greyhounds do not complain, but human people do, and they come to the hospital and. Uh, uh, if the, the stress fracture is clearly visible on the first x-ray of the foot, then uh, it will be treated early. But usually it, it is not seen very clearly on an, on an ordinary x-ray of the feet. Uh, and you have to, uh, to do uh, technetium scans and CT scans to find it. And then you have to treat it. And first of all, we treat it conservatively, uh, non-weight bearing usually. Uh, that, that is how we uh, were taught to treat it, but if people are running and you keep them off running and just let them walk normally and swim, then the, the stress fracture will heal in the, in the same time if, in, if they're working on crutches non-weight bearing. If it's a small navicular fracture, but if it's a, it's a large uh, navicular stress fracture with a long story, then you can go over to operative treatment and um, we re in, in this hospital then we remove the bone block and put in a fresh bone block from the distal tibia uh, and we found in our historical specimens uh, signs of osteonecrosis and signs that especially osteoclast, osteoclast didn't do their work properly and didn't remove the old bone and uh, and also the osteoblasts didn't, didn't do their job afterwards. So uh, a sign that there was biologically something wrong and not, not only mechanically. Mm -hmm. And of course this is, a, this is a big problem in athletes. Are there any things you would recommend for a sports physician to, to prevent this? Would orthotics be useful? Would a monitoring of the load be useful? Is there anything you would recommend? Well, the only thing they found in gait analysis is that, that um, uh, not overpronation but a rapid pronation is a risk factor to develop it, to develop these uh, tarsal navicular stress fractures. Um, but I think that the most important thing is that you must think on the diagnosis if someone with, with uh, pain in that area uh, of the tarsus uh, comes to, your, to, to visit you. So you have to have, have to high, a high index of suspicion. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you do the proper investigation, you will always find the stress fracture. Mm -hmm. And I've come to you many times in the past with uh, tennis players with rib stress fractures, metatarsal stress fractures, tibial stress fractures. And I find that the management of tibial stress fractures sometimes can be very difficult. Do you have an explanation for that? Uh, th that's a very interesting stress fracture, especially of the anterior tibial cortex. Uh, they are, compared to the stress fractures of the dorsomedial tibial cortex, they are rare, because it, it's only 5% of less of all the tibial stress fractures. But they take a long time to heal, and, and uh, the remarkable thing is, if you do a technetium scan, um, that sometimes the, the scan is negative, which means that the osteoblasts are not working properly. Um, there are people who have the problem bilaterally, who have the problem not only uh, at, at one location, but uh, who have five stress fractures 
uh, in the anterior tibial cortex. Um, and you have always a very uh, uh, sclerosed uh, and thick cortex, uh, the anterior cortex of the tibia, and a narrow medullary canal. So there are some uh, some signs uh, which show that it, this is a different problem from a focal discontinuity in a normal bone, which, which is really the the definition of a stress fracture. And we have histology of uh, a few of these uh, anterior tibial cortex stress fractures, and we find that you have hardly no osteoclastic reaction. So the old bone is not removed, the new bone is laid down and you, the cortex will grow and grow and become thicker. Uh, and um, well, that, that, that's uh, an, an interesting point of these uh, stress factors which look under the microscope as osteopetrosis. Mm -hmm. But we didn't find any sign of a systemic disease in people with, with this problem. And what is the best treatment then in those cases? It's a little bit the same story as of the fifth meter tarsal because they have the same problem. They, they, they don't heal very fast. There is a high recurrence rate. Um, and uh, if people don't like to wait until it's healed, which is usually the case, usually the case in, uh, in uh, high level athletes, then we put in an intramedullary nail. Uh, which compensate for the bending forces on the diaphysis of, uh, of the tibia. Mm -hmm. And looking at all these different types of stress fracture, which type or location do you find most difficult to treat and, and why is that? I think the last one we we're talking about, uh, the anterior tibial cortex. Mm -hmm. And do you, the, the, the last question from my side, do you, see, do you often see the stress fractures in the, in the back, the spondylolysis, spondylolysis? I've seen in my whole career n not more than 10, but that's depending on what type of sport yeah. people you see. If you see a lot of cricket players, then you will mm -hmm. meet this problem uh, more often than I have done. Yeah. If you could give one tip to a sports physician for, for the prevention of stress factor, what would that be? And I, I think if you can influence the, the loading of uh, the, uh, the skeleton of an athlete, uh, there must be time to recover. That's uh, and that's not only for muscles, but also for connective tissue like uh, the bones. Thank you very much. Is there anything else you would like to add, or any other topic you would like to discuss? Now, talking about stress fractures, is uh, I just met recently, just one week ago, uh, a stress fracture which I had never seen. That was of the anterior. Uh, um, process of the calcaneus mm. in a volleyball player. You see that sometimes in people with a tarsal coalition, but not without. And uh, I had never seen that before, but uh, with complaints for more than one year, not able to play volleyball, and uh, very wow. rare and interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time. We'll place some links on the website so people can read the articles. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.